0: Well, good morning, church. Good morning, Pastor Rick. <laughs> it's so good to see you all this morning. I'm glad that you're here. If you're a guest with us, we want to say welcome to you as well. And also, if you're watching online, we want to welcome all of you. And uh, maybe today you came in and that last song, you just maybe you just need the name of Jesus spoken over you. And uh, my prayer for today is that as we continue to jump into the word of God and continue to worship together, that that whatever it is that you came with, that God would come and 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 be with you in the midst of that, and that you would leave here different than when you came. One of our core values here at Warehouse Church is that we love to celebrate. We love to celebrate God's big story, and we love to celebrate the little things that God is doing in your life. And, uh, and so uh, just a couple celebrations that I just want to make you aware of today. Um, Wade didn't tell you when he was up here, but it was his 13th birthday. And uh, so we want to say happy birthday to Wade. He does such a good job with our welcoming and uh, so thanks, Wade, and happy birthday. And then Georgina and Carl celebrated 52 years of marriage this week. So we're going to celebrate that as well. And uh, that, is, um, that is a huge accomplishment and a huge celebration. Uh, 53, 52 years of marriage is something that is uh, just not normal today. And so thank you, Georgina, for modeling for us um, that it can be done. And uh, so, um, so today we are uh, in week two of this teaching series called Modern Family. And, uh, and so we are taking three weeks and uh, we're in the middle of it right now in week two uh, on focusing on the family and how we use biblical principles to elevate our relationships with one another in the home. And, uh, and I want you to remember what we said last week, that we said, while we're talking a lot about parenting, and maybe we're talking a lot about kids, and while every family looks different, that these are timeless biblical principles that can elevate any relationship. It doesn't just have to be relationships between a, a husband and a wife. It doesn't just have to be a relationship between uh, parents and kids. It can be relationships between co-workers and co-workers or friends. Um, these, rela- these, these biblical principles apply to everything. And so I don't want you to check out on me just if you're here and you're like, well, I don't have a family, so this isn't for me because there are some principles in here uh, that you will find every week to help you in your relationships. And last week, we talked about this idea that the most important family value was the idea of connection, right? Like we talked a lot about this idea of deep connection and that that, that is the most important thing, that more important than any of the rules or any of the rules or regulations in your home is this idea of loving God and loving people. That if we will put that first, if we will value that the most... And that's what Jesus said, the greatest thing that you can do is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. If we can figure out those two things, that are all the other stuff and all of our relationships will, will work out. And this week, I want to talk about something, that, um, something really important, and, and something that when done wrong, it can wreck a relationship. Like This thing that I want to talk about today, that if you don't get this right, uh, it, it has the potential to wreck any relationship, and it's this thing called communication. Everybody say, communication. communication. All right, everybody look to the person next to you and say, wake up, because this is really important. So uh, so communication, because here's what I know, that in, in our relationships, we can either learn to communicate or disintegrate, and, and so it all... Rises and falls on this idea of communication, and, and here's a disclaimer. I had some disclaimers last week. Here's my disclaimer for this week: that I am not a pro at communication. I'm not a professional at it. I'm not skilled at it. Um, I, I don't have all the the things down. And if I'm honest with you, I have a lot to learn about communication. And I bet that I'm not the only one here that has a ton to learn about communication. But here's what I know, is that all relationships, all, all relationships have one thing in common, and that's communication. And, and it's either an asset for your relationships or it's a liability. It's either an asset for your family or it's a liability. And, and I don't know if you realize this or not, but everything that we do, we communicate something. That in everything that we do, we're communicating something to another person. And, and research shows, and this is interesting, That we only communicate 7% by our words. That the other uh, 93% is by, 38% of it is by our tone of voice. Like when we're saying something, when we're communicating something, only 7% of that is what we're saying, and 38% of it is by your tone of voice. How you're saying it. And 55% of it is by your facial expressions or your body language. And so it's what you look like when you're saying it. If you got your arms crossed and you got like an like angry face, you got your angry eyes on, right? you got your angry eyes on and you're saying, yeah, I love you, hmm it's okay, it really is. You're communicating one thing, but your body language and your tone of voice is communicating a totally different thing. And so today, I want us to explore how your home can become the safest place on earth to communicate, how your home can become a safe, a place of safety when it comes to communication. And and I want us to look to the Bible. Everything that we're talking about here is biblical based. It's founded in the Bible. And so today I want us to look at first Peter, uh, first Peter chapter three, verses eight through 12. And as we look at this, Peter gives us some great advice, that I think that if we apply it to communication and to how we communicate in our homes, that we will see that we can elevate our communication skills. Now, in 1 Peter, uh, Peter's been unpacking a lot of things. He's been talking about marriage. He's been talking about uh, how husbands and wives should work. He's been talking about how we live godly lives in a pagan society. He's been talking about all this stuff. And then here we get to chapter 3, starting in verse 8. And I just want to read verses 8 through 12 with you. And here's what it says, and it'll be on the screen or you have it on your Bibles or in the Bible app. It says, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. And then he quotes as he says, For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So in this passage, Where Peter's unpacking for us some good skills that we need to learn, and we can apply these to communication, we see that there's eight. There's eight really good communication skills. in this passage and so I want you to like write these down or put them in your notes on your phone or do whatever because you're not going to remember all eight of them but there's something that you might I want to encourage you to go back to later on this week and say how am I doing like measure yourself on how you're doing in communication with these eight skills and so the first one that Peter talks about is this idea of seeking harmony uh, he, he says it this way. He says uh, to, be, um, to, to be like-minded uh, and don't seek to always be right, right? Like you don't have to always be right. You don't always have to be the one that's right. And some of you may need to hear that a third time. You don't always have to be right, but rather Peter says be like-minded. Be unified, pursuing the same goals, and knowing each other's desires are the main characteristics of being like-minded. And so let's just just, uh, just agree that we don't always have to be right, that that's not the goal. The goal in our communication is not to be the right one. The goal in our communication is to be like-minded, whether it's with a conversation with our spouse or with our friends or with our children. It's this idea of being like-minded, seek harmony. The second key that Peter mentions is be sympathetic. Learn to be responsive to the other's needs and acknowledging their pain. When when one of your children come up to you and they've had a bad day and they want to share with you their frustration, you don't have to like say, well, you didn't do that right. You don't have to like correct them. You don't have to be right. But instead, be sympathetic. And good communication always, always enters into the other person's world like always enters into their world and feels what they're feeling. And sometimes we just need to pause and we just need to be sympathetic because sometimes our kids or our spouse or our friends just need to hear that you understand their pain, that you understand what they're feeling. And so we want to be sympathetic. That's the second one. The third one that Peter unpacks for us is be loving, be loving. And we must treat, we must see and treat each other as Christ. Would treat us. That's like easy to say and hard to do, right? Like it's hard for us to love in the way that Christ loved us because his love was perfect, but our aim and our goal should be to do that, to love others in the same way that Christ loved us. As we communicate, right? As we communicate with our spouse or our children or our friends, our love for them should be displayed in the way that we communicate. And I think this is like a big deal for some of us, like, we, we just, all we're thinking about is they're not going to get the best of me. Like, all we're thinking about is whatever they say, I've got to come back for them. And instead, we should, we should be loving them in our communication. We should be loving towards them. And, and our words, what we say, what comes out of our mouths should reflect our love. Like, we shouldn't be calling our kids stupid and saying, you're so stupid, but you know I love you, Right? Like, that doesn't make sense. Well, I know that you call me stupid, but you're not showing me that you love me. So our communication should be loving. The next thing that Peter says is that we should be compassionate. And and if we show compassion in our communication, we will remain open, right? So there's open communication and there's closed communication. And when you're closed, that's when your arms are crossed. That's when you're tapping your foot. That's when you're watching the football game instead of listening to whoever's talking to you. That's closed communication. But open communication is when you are actively listening and actively engaged and actively involved in the conversation. And so we want to be compassionate. And when we're compassionate, we'll remain open in our communication. And our spouse and our kids and our friends won't be afraid to talk to you. Like when we, when we, when we have this pattern of closed communication in our relationships, you'll find that people don't want to talk to you. You'll find that people don't want to share what's going on in their lives. And and here's the the thing, you'll say, how was your day today? Fine. Did you have a good day today? Yes. And they don't want to share anything because they've experienced zero compassion from you when they've had conversations. And so we want to be compassionate. Uh, the next thing that Peter talks about is we want to be humble. That's the fifth one, that we want to, uh, we want to be humble in our communication. And, and, and nobody likes a know-it-all, right? Like, nobody likes a know-it-all. I've been around know-it-alls. I don't enjoy being around know-it-alls. Uh, it's just no fun. Uh, and so, so we need to be humble in our communication. And that just simply means being humble means putting others first. It means like when you've had an amazing day and you want to brag about your day, but your friend or your spouse or your kids have had a lousy day, you like put pause on your wonderful day and you say, hey, tell me about your day. Tell me about what's going on in your world. And you put others' needs before your own. And, and, and a commitment to good communication means that uh, to not think so highly of our own opinions and our own selves that we don't listen to others. And so we want to be humble in our communication. Uh, number six is this, that never use hurtful words. Uh, never use hurtful words. If you want good communication in your home, you got to get rid of the put downs. You got to get rid of the gender jokes. You got to get rid of the malicious criticism. You got, and sometimes you even have to get rid of sarcasm. Like I'm sarcastic and my wife's sarcastic and we kind of know our limits but there are times where we go above and beyond right and and that hurts and so sometimes we got to put a, a, an end to sarcasm and definitely the most harshest of all communication is the silent treatment we got to put the silent treat to an end too because there is nothing more painful and hurtful than when you just say i'm just not going to talk to you and you do the silent treatment and so we we, we got to get rid of the hurtful words. Listen, hurtful words towards our spouse and towards our kids only leads to anger, only leads to uncontrolled resentment and unresolved problems. Like hurtful words do no good in any communication in any relationship. If hurtful words are a part of your everyday world, all you're doing is creating a, a child that is building up resentment and anger in their life. All you're doing is building up resentment and anger in a friend or a spouse. And so we have to, we have to get rid of the hurtful words. And then the seventh thing um, that, that Peter talks about is this. He says, hey, you got to speak truth. You got to speak truth. As Peter's wrapping up this section, he reminds us that if we want to enjoy life, and he quotes this passage, he says, hey, if you want to enjoy life, and if you want to see good days, He's like, we must learn to do two things really well. And the first one is to be honest, to speak truth. When I'm having, uh, when I do premarital counseling for couples that are getting married, um, we talk about this. We talk about how how dishonesty and how not being truthful uh, in a marriage will destroy a marriage. And it's true of any relationship that if you are not speaking truth, and uh, everything that you do it will begin to erode and corrode your relationships so you got to be honest honest with your spouse honest with your kids honest with your friends and this is not like an option it's not a, it's not an option it's not like ah today i think i'll be honest tomorrow i may not like it's got to be truthful all the time. I tell, I tell these, these uh, couples that are getting married, I say, listen, you can't give airtime to things that are half truths. You can't give airtime to things that are not true at all. Like if you don't know it to be a hundred percent true, it's not a part of the conversation. And so you have to speak truth. And then finally, number eight is what, uh, what Peter says. He says, um, he says, you got to seek peace. Like not only do you, if you want to live a good life, uh, you got to Speak truth, but then you also got to seek peace. Because listen, there's enough chaos in the world, right? For our for our homes, uh, without our homes being a battlefield. And so we have to be peacemakers. We have to speak peace. And, and so we got to seek to pursue peace in our relationships. And listen, how we communicate and how we communicate with one another will either lead us towards closeness or separation, towards unity or towards division. So, so we got to speak truth and we got to seek peace. And so you might be thinking, well, Pastor Rick, that's great. We got eight things, right? We got eight characteristics of a good communication. Uh, I look at those, you know, speaking truth, uh, being compassionate, all these different things. But, but what is that? How do, I, how do I incorporate all that into my relationships? Well, I want to look at another passage of scripture in James James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, and and, and James has some great advice and some amazing wisdom on how we communicate with one another. And you may be familiar with this passage. It's going to be on the screen, and I'm going to read it, and you can read it along with me. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. He's like, listen, understand this. He says, you must all. Now, I love this because Peter, at the beginning of his passage, he says, finally, all of you right? Peter's like, all of you. He's like, no exceptions. And then James jumps in too, and he's like, understand this. He's talking about communication. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all, in other words, all of you. There's no, like nobody's exempt. He says, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And then he goes on and he takes it a little step further. And he talks about that anger. And he says, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So in this passage in James, he gives us three steps really to creating healthy communication that won't blow up your home or your relationships. And so let me just share them with you. The step number one is this, you gotta change your patterns. You might wanna write that down, change your patterns. You see, when James talks about being quick to listen. It's interesting because here's what I, I think we often think about is what, that we think that listening is really not an activity. Like many of us have this idea in our brain that, well, listening doesn't take any energy. Uh, it doesn't mean anything. I, it doesn't, I'm not doing anything. I'm not talking. I'm not sharing my point of view. I'm not speaking truth. So listening doesn't mean anything. But James words it with wisdom, he words it in such a way that you're actually doing something really important when you're listening, when you're listening, when you're, when you're, when you're quick to listen, uh, and, and that you're actually doing something when you close your mouth, right, and you open your heart and you open your ears, you're listening. You see, there's a reason why God gave you two ears and one mouth so that you'll listen twice as much as you speak. And so, let's be honest, some of us, I mean, let's just be real, some of us have some really unhealthy communication patterns. And all we're doing is spewing information back and forth in our relationships. And nobody is listening and nobody is being heard because all we're doing is I'm going to be right. I'm going I'm to get my point of view across. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. And you're just spewing. And nobody's getting heard. And you, and I want you to know that that's a pattern, right? That's a pattern. And patterns are powerful. And that's why I'm telling you step number one is to change your pattern because you didn't just start communicating that way today like it just didn't happen like that it's been happening over time it's been developing over time maybe since you were a little kid uh, it's something that you've learned at an early age uh, your communication skills and some of us have unhealthy communication patterns that we need to change and so recognizing that there is a pattern uh, to how you communicate it's a big deal It really is a big deal. And you may need to change your pattern. Like you may be realizing, you know what? I'm always just talking. I'm always the one doing the talking and I'm never listening. And so maybe it's time for me to change the pattern and be quick to listen rather than quick to speak. And so, so some of you may be recognizing that there's a pattern that you need to change. And for James, that pattern was this. It was to be quick. To listen. For James, it was all about closing our mouths. It was all about tuning into what the other person was saying and listening rather than figuring out what you're going to say next or rather than, for some of us, speaking over the person who's doing the talking. You see, good listening allows us, good listening allows us to really hear and then validate or give permission for the other person to feel the way they 're feeling it's joining them in their feelings and, and we don't just listen for the words right but we listen for the emotion and the meaning that's attached behind the words that 's why tone of voice and body language speaks so loud and so we begin to ask questions like what 's really going on here like I hear what they're saying what's really going what's the underlying emotion. And it's this, it really is, and this is important. It's listening close enough to hear what is being said as well as what's not being said. Like when you are listening, do you hear beyond just what's being said? Are you taking the time to figure out what's not being said? And so we've got to change our patterns. That's the first thing that James says when he speaks of being quick to listen. And the second thing is this, that we gotta create a new language. We gotta create a new language. The second thing that James tells us is to be slow to speak. Be slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. You see, when we change our pattern, sometimes we have to create a new language. We can't just keep doing what we've always done, right? Like We've got to actively listen and actively participate in the conversation. And I don't know if you knew this or not, but I learned it this week. There's five levels of communication. Five levels. Wow, really, there are. There's five levels of communication. And they're from low-level communication uh, to communication that is a level that promotes deep connection, the kind of level that we want uh, in our families. And so I want us to just real quick unpack them. Again, you might want to write them down, but, but the first level of communication is called small talk. And we all do that. Small talk, this is what you, you do even with a stranger at the grocery store, right? Like, how are you? How's the weather? Um, uh, what's new? And, and we have this kind of small talk in grocery stores. We have this kind of small talk in our homes and with our families. And it's, it's not very significant, right? It's just small talk. Tell me about your day. How are you? What's going on? Is it cold up there? Like, it's those kind of things. And, and, then, and so that's the first level of communication. Non-threatening. Everybody does it. Small talk. The second level is what I call nightly news, or just the facts, right? Like just the facts. If you're uh, raising kids in your home right now, you probably hang out here a lot. Like you're constantly sharing facts, like uh, baseball games and, and, and meetings and dentist appointments and, and, and dance things and birthday parties and so on and so on and so on. And We're, we're just sharing facts. And, and sometimes it's real easy for us as families to get caught and just sharing facts, and, and these, but these first two levels of communication, small talk and, and, and nightly news, these are easy. These are easy communication. It's just sharing the facts, just telling you how your day was, and it's not very threatening, but it's also not very satisfying. Like, this kind of communication, if this is the only two kinds of communication that we did, uh, there wouldn't be a lot of connection going on. Like, you wouldn't feel very connected to the people that you care about all you did was have these kinds of relationships or these kind of conversations. And, and so the next three levels that I want to share with you, that's where it's at as far as communication and connection goes. Like, the next three are the ones that you really want to pay attention to. And the third level is called cautious disclosure. Cautious disclosure. I know, fancy big words, but it basically means this is where we share our, share our opinions and our concerns, right? Like, this is the one that a lot of us in marriage, this is where we get stuck, we get stuck because we like our opinions, and we like to share our opinions, and so we kind of get stuck here. We think that we're right, and our opinions are right, and you've heard this, You've seen evidence of this. You've seen uh, relationships destroyed over opinions about political issues, right? Like, you've seen close friends become enemies over an opinion, uh, you've seen it all over Facebook. you've seen it in your own life, in your own stories. and so so um, we get stuck here. And, but I want you to know this, and I think we need to embrace this, that it's okay to have different opinions. It's okay. It's okay for you to have a different opinion about communion than I have. It's okay for us to have different commun- different opinions about things. And sometimes in your relationship, you're gonna have to agree to disagree. I have some friends, they have very differing political views than I do. But rather than us becoming enemies, we've just agreed to disagree. We said, you know what? We're just not gonna come to, the, to, to an agreement about this. And so we just agree to disagree and we continue our friendship. And guess what? Uh, this is something too that maybe you need to hear. It's okay for your kids to have their own opinions. It's okay for your kids to have their own opinions. Too often, we feel like our kids have to agree with us and share our values and our thoughts and our opinions, but our kids also need to learn to develop their own opinions. They get to decide if Brussels sprouts are gross or not. Nine out of 10 will say they're gross. And and, and so they get to have that opinion. Now, Now, you still may make them eat their Brussels sprouts. My mama did. But... I can still think that Brussels sprouts are gross. So we need to let our kids have opinions. And if you want to raise secure children, then you need to allow them to have their opinions and you need to allow them to voice their concerns. Like your kids need to have a voice. And that's hard for some of us. That's hard because we think, no, 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 no. You're a kid. You don't get to voice your concerns, but they're little human beings and they have concerns and they need to be able to feel safe to share those concerns and to be heard. And your home needs to be a safe place for them to share. Now, don't get me wrong. You need to teach them as parents how to do that in appropriate ways. Like that's your job as parents is to teach them how to voice their opinions and their concerns in a respectful and kind way. But I think we need to allow them the freedom to have some opinions and to share Their concerns. And so that third level is cautious disclosure. And the fourth level of communication, uh, and so they're getting riskier as we go up, right? Like they're getting more involved as we go up the, the scale. And the fourth one is high risk, high reward. High risk and high reward conversations. And this is where we basically, we start sharing our feelings. Like no longer is it just our opinions, but now we're sharing our feelings. And now I know, I know that a few of you in here right now, you're like, uh, I'm going to check out because at this point because I'm not a super emotional, feely type person to which I would say baloney because we all have emotions. God uh, created us all with emotions and our emotions serve a purpose in our lives. Uh, the primary purpose of our emotions is to tell us what we need. That's what our emotions do. They tell us what we need. And and there's not a person in this room who doesn't have needs. And the Bible even tells us, the Bible says that we were created in the image of God. That you and I, we were created in the image of God. And we have been uh, made in the image of Jesus, who, by the way, had emotions. Jesus, who felt sorrow at the death of his friend, Lazarus. Uh, Jesus who felt pain for his friends, Mary and Martha, as they grieved the loss of their brother, Lazarus. Jesus who felt anger when talking about the evil of harming little children. This Jesus who felt fear as he faced the suffering of the cross. You see, Jesus had emotions, and so do you, and so do I. And if I'm honest with you, I'm not always good at communicating at this level. Like you can ask Jen, she'll agree with you uh, because Jen will share her feelings with me. My wife, she'll share her feelings with me about something and I'll listen. I'm a good listener, I'll listen, but then I'll come back with, well that's not true because da 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 da. And I'll tell her why her emotions aren't true. She shares her feelings with me and I share facts with her. But she doesn't need facts, right? Like She doesn't need facts. She needs me in that moment to join her in this place where she is sharing her feelings. She doesn't need me to talk her out of her feelings. She just needs me to be there and join her in those feelings. You know the story of Job in the Bible in the Old Testament, and he's got a whole book. Some of you may call it Job, Job, Job whichever. And, um, and so Job, he lost almost everything, And he had these three friends, right? And at first they got it right. They just came there and they listened and they were with him and they were beside him and he shared his feelings. But as soon as Job began to share his feelings, they began to tell him how wrong he was. They began to share facts with him. And it got Job really riled up and it didn't help Job in his healing process at all. And so listen, we need to be people that validate other people's feelings we need people to validate and join us in our feelings as well. And so this is especially true with our kids. This is so important with our kids. We need to model for our kids how to talk about our feelings. Like our kids need to know that they can share their feelings with us and our family. And, and, they, and they need to know that, that they, how to share those feelings because they need to develop their own language, right? For sharing their feelings and talking about their feelings rather than withdrawing and lashing out. Like we need to help our kids to understand that it's okay to share what you're feeling. And then the fifth level, the last level, and probably the most risky of all, is called truth and love. Truth and love. And this is where, because we're able to safely share our feelings, that, that, need, that needs are shared and that there is now total vulnerability. Like we can be vulnerable with our spouse, or we can be vulnerable with our kids, or our kids can be vulnerable with us, or our friendships, whatever it is. And this is where real connection begins to happen. When we've created an environment where it's safe for us to share our feelings with one another, and to share our concerns with one another, and become vulnerable, this is where deep connection happens. Now, men, I want to talk to you for a minute. Because so often as men, we're told this. We're told that real men don't share their feelings and just to throw some duct tape on it and move on. Like that's what we're told as men. And, and let me just challenge you to change the way that you think about sharing your feelings and be courageous and begin to learn how to open up and share what's going on in your heart. Because if you want deep connection with your kids and you want deep connection with your spouse and your friendships, you've got to learn to be able to communicate and be vulnerable with others. Duct tape is not going to fix that. We've got to be able to share what's going on. If we're going to have deep connections in our relationships, we need to be able to be vulnerable. We need to be able to speak truth and love into those that we love. And sometimes that means we've got to create a new language. And that's what James meant when he said quick to listen, slow to speak. And the last thing James tells us uh, is to be slow to get angry. And I would say that we need to challenge our hearts. We need to challenge our hearts. What does verse 20 say after that? James kind of puts the exclamation point on being slow to anger when he says, human anger doesn't produce the righteousness of God. Meaning that good things usually don't come out of your anger. So Paul's like, or James is like, so let's be quick to listen. Let's be slow to speak. And let's be slow to anger because nothing good often comes out of being angry. And James puts it here at the end for a reason. Like he's strategic where he places this. Because if we don't get the first two steps right, if we don't get quick to listen and slow to speak right, if we don't learn those things, what sets in in our relationships behind the scenes, under the, like, like, think of it as an iceberg. You only see what's at the tip of the iceberg, right? But there's all this stuff happening underneath. And if you don't get the first two right, here's what's happening underneath, is resentment is building up, coldness is beginning to take place, and distance is beginning to happen. And so if you feel distance in your relationships, whether it be with your kids or your friendships or your relationship with your coworkers or your spouse, guess what? It's probably a communication problem. It's probably because someone's not communicating. And so as the years go by, here's what happens, especially with our kids. And as the years go by and we don't have good communication skills, we realize that we've raised this 18-year-old kid and we send them out into the world and we're not connected with them anymore because we didn't have good communication. So let me just challenge you, church. We gotta challenge our hearts to develop these patterns and these new thoughts over the long haul, over the long haul. So listen, this doesn't just happen. And, and here's, here's my promise to you, you're not always gonna get it right. Like you're gonna get it wrong sometimes. You may even get it wrong on the way home. Like you may begin to have a conversation on the way home. Hey honey, I think we need to work on our communication and then it just blows up. You're not always gonna get it right. And, 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 but remember that patterns are powerful and just like those patterns of bad communication just didn't happen overnight, patterns of good communication won't just happen overnight. It's going to take time. But there is hope. There is hope. The most important part of communication uh, in a family is word, forgiveness. Everybody say it with me. Forgiveness. The ability to forgive one another the ability to confess and ask for forgiveness. And and when we do that, it builds connection. Listen, Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one who practiced this perfectly and gives us hope. I want to close by reading a psalm to you, Psalm 103, um, powerful psalm, and I want you to listen to the words. And I want you to hear how it describes the Lord And how these descriptions and adjectives used can come into our relationships and change our communication. And here's where it says. It says, the Lord is compassionate and merciful. He's slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us. Maybe some of us need to hear that. Nor remain angry forever. I bet someone in here needs to hear that. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Isn't that beautiful? To think that our God is compassionate and merciful and slow to anger, and it's a challenge for us to be compassionate and merciful and slow to anger, that our relationships would be filled with unfailing love, that we wouldn't constantly accuse the other person or remain angry about something that we did, but we would offer forgiveness. And so even if your situation is desperate, like maybe you're in a, in a relationship right now that There is just bad communication happening every day and you feel desperate and you wonder if you'll ever get it right or you'll wonder if your family will ever hear you or see you or know you and respond to you. I want you to know this, that Jesus always, always, always meets you right where you are. He listens when you call, he sees your pain, and he responds with these words that we read from Psalm, with loving kindness and truth. He doesn't hold our failures and sin against us, but instead we confess and he promises that he'll forgive. So let me just invite you to a place where you'll work on your communication skills. Like I just challenge you, get real practical, go home. Look at those things that Peter unpacked about seeking harmony and speaking truth and seeking peace and all those eight variety of things. Say, how am I doing? Like what are some areas maybe I need to work on? Look at the patterns of your communication. Are you quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger or are you the opposite, right? Like you don't ever listen, you're always quick to speak. And your anger is like what's driving you. I just invite you in whatever relationship to work on elevating your communication so that your home can be a safe place for people to communicate. You know, Jesus communicated some amazing things throughout scripture. And one of the um, most precious times that he shared with the disciples was in that upper room during the Last Supper. And he communicated so many timeless truths in a short amount of time. He washed their feet and he told them, this is how I've served you and I want you to go and serve other people. And then he did this strange thing during the meal where he broke the bread and he he looked at his disciples, the guys that he loved, the guys that he did life with, He said hey this is my body which is broken for you and then he said something really funny and off he said and as and take this and eat and as often as you do he's like remember that I love you and at the end of the meal he took the cup and he lifted it up and he said hey um, this is the blood which has been shed for you a new covenant that I'm bringing You may not understand it now, but in a few days, you'll totally understand it. He's like, take and drink. And as often as you do, remember that I love you. And as we come and celebrate communion 2,000 years later, Jesus is looking at you. He's saying, listen, I know that things may not be perfect. I know that maybe your communication isn't just not working at your home. But as you take this bread today, and as you take this juice, I want you to remember one thing. Remember that I've always, always, always loved you, and I proved my love for you when I died on the cross and rose from the grave. So this morning, we're going to celebrate communion, and uh, I want you to know that all are welcome here. At this table, It's not Warehouse Church's table. It's the Lord Jesus. He's the host of the table, and so Jesus would never turn anyone away. I think the only thing that Jesus would want from you is that you would want more of him in your life. And so here at Warehouse Church, you are welcome as long as you want more of Jesus in your life. So I'm going to invite our worship team and our servers to come forward, and as they do, I just want to share with you that how we'll do this is we'll have a station up here and we'll have two stations in the middle and you'll come to the station uh, as you feel led you'll take a cup and you'll take a piece of bread and you'll go back to your seat and then we'll all take it together okay and so we'll serve uh, first we'll serve our servers and our um, and our worship
1: team Body and blood of Christ broken and shed for you. The body and blood of Christ broken and shed for you. The body and blood of Christ broken and shed for you. The body and blood of Christ broken and shed for you. The body and blood of Christ broken and shed for you. The body and blood of Christ broken and shed for you. The body and blood of Christ broken and shed for you.
0: Take and eat and remember God's great love for you.
1: Take and drink. Thank you.
0: So as you are ready you can come to the front or you can come to the stations right in the middle um oh well we're gonna do it like that that's fun too that's good God's great love for you was displayed on the cross. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the gift of your table. God, we thank you that not only is it a reminder of your love for us, but God, that as we partake in the meal, that we're reminded of your forgiveness, and we are sustained, able to live this Christian life because of your great love. God, you knew, you knew that we would forget. You knew that we would get busy, you knew that we would get distracted, and yet that's why you gave us this table that we would be reminded, so that we would be encouraged and empowered and equipped to live this life, not just here on Sunday morning, but every day of our lives. So God, we thank you for the bread and we thank you for the juice. Lord, if there's someone here today who has never said yes to you pray that today would be that day that they would give their life to you so that they could experience that unfailing love that we read about in Psalm. So they could know that there's somebody that loves them and hears them and sees them and has great plans for them and a hope for them and a desire for them. to you today just say yes lord just say lord i confess that i have sinned and i'm not perfect but lord i want your unfailing grace and love in my life so today i surrender my heart to you and i want what's important and the most important thing is to walk with you God, for the rest of us, I pray. Pray for our families. I pray for our homes. I pray for our relationships. God, I pray that we would practice good communication. God, help us to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger. Lord, may we practice forgiveness in our relationships and remember that none of us As we wrap up our time together, we're going to sing one more song. And we invite you to come and spend some time with the Lord if you'd like to up front. Um, Our home is your home, and so all people are welcome. If you want someone to pray with you, I'm on the front row. I'd be honored to pray with you. And uh, and the rest of us, let's sing from our hearts. And let's communicate with the Lord as we sing, because one of the ways we do that is singing. So just sing, communicate with the Lord, because these words speak truth about who he is, so let's, let's uh, sing together.